I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town Podcast. In episode 77 of the Food About Town Podcast, I took my rig portable and recorded at the Paradox Brewery located in Scroon Lake, New York, in the heart of the High Peaks region of the Adirondacks. I met up with uh, Tommy Formicola at the Rochester Real Beer Week event here in Rochester, and I knew I was going to be on vacation in the area, and I had to go visit the brewery and see if I could talk to the guys. Luckily, they made some time for me, and I was able to carve out a few minutes while I was on vacation. So I ended up talking with three of the fine gentlemen from Paradox. I'm talking with head brewer Devin Hamilton, the QA manager James DeWard, and the aforementioned Tommy Formicola, who's a brewer and also lead cellarman. Uh, we had a really nice time. We recorded in their small tasting room, which uh, is used mostly during the cold months. They have a beautiful outside tent and tap area where you can just relax with the beautiful Adirondack weather and try some of their interesting beers. So uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Paradox is doing some really interesting things, and you can get them here in Rochester at, uh, I believe, AJ's Beer Warehouse. I think they might be at Wegmans, but I know AJ's and probably Beers of the World as well. So check out Paradox Brewery, and if you happen to be driving up to the Adirondacks, check out their store, which is in Scroon Lake right now. And I think they're, they're doing a great expansion up into North Hudson next year, but for now, Scroon Lake. So if you enjoyed this episode, let them know on social media. They're Paradox Brewery everywhere, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And let me know on Facebook, Food About Town, at Stromy on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening. You can sing this with me if you know the words. Around we go around in the same sweet circle. It's a dizzy, dreamy dance we do. Seasons turn. Feelings are changing and the sky is a bright Adirondack blue. Sounds good. I'm glad we're recording this. <laughs> ah, the feeling of spring is like the birth of a baby. Sun shines warm like a mother's smile. Well, yeah, so Paradox Lake has been, well, Paradox area has been raining the last two days and... Well, we found ourselves inside. I'm here at Paradox Brewery here in Scroon Lake, actually. Is this technically in Scroon Lake? Yeah, yeah the mailing address is Scroon Lake. Mailing address is Scroon Lake. The sign of the road says you're just outside, but we're in this basic area anyways. But I appreciate the name. I've been camping at Paradox Campgrounds since I was born. I've been coming up here for 33 years now. And as I've become a beer nerd, a beer appreciator... I was really happy to see this pop up. When did uh, when did Paradox end up opening around here? Um, we started operating four years ago. Okay, I'm gonna stop because I forgot to introduce people. So okay, good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go around. Less, I'm gonna get a less squeaky chair. Oh, okay. So we're oh, gonna introduce people who are over here. So go ahead. I'm uh, JD Deloy. I'm the quality manager and the brewer. Okay. The other person is actually sitting down still. Yes, uh, I am Tommy Formicola. I uh, run the cellar and. Brew. Cool. And I'm Devin Hamilton. I'm the head brewer, so I do nice. everything as well. Well, it's kind of 
anytime you're head anything, you have to do everything else too. Everybody's cross trained. You no one have does, to. No one does one thing. There's seven of us in the organization. So. When, and yeah. when there's seven people, everybody needs to be involved. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. So back to the story. You said four years ago, you guys, you guys were open. Yep. That's so what? Correct. What was the? So four years ago, what drove everybody to get involved in this? How did we? How did we start a brewery in the middle of the Adirondacks? So none of us were actually here when the brewery opened. Cool. Um, Paul started the brewery, kind of like his lifelong dream that he was finally able to achieve. Um, he was homebrewing under his deck with his house on Paradox Lake, kind of maintain, getting a little bit of a name for himself with his friends and family who were living around the area, and finally decided it was time to make the jump to a professional operation. Um, they operated with, for a year uh, with some other staff, and then after that first year in business, I came on. I think it was about a year later. Like three months. Three months later, it felt like a year. Uh, JD came on, and then soon thereafter, Tommy came on. Nice. So, I mean, was that a kind of a big transition transition to get you three guys in from doing it probably mostly by himself at first? I'd imagine he did have help. Okay. Um, so, what uh, he had, I don't remember his name. I don't even know his he name. Had a couple <laughs> people, a couple people, couple really, people a couple in couple and out. People running sales, yeah. but. It was really no necessarily like a hundred percent person to sort of run everything because gotcha. still has his other job. He's flying and stuff. So, and for really, I think three months between the last brewery leaving and me coming on, he was doing everything by himself. Yeah, and losing his mind. Well, I think that's the first thing to go. Is I mean, you, yes. you're working crazy amount of hours, and although I'm sure it's you know was smaller then than it is now, because um, you guys have really expanded your reach outside of the Adirondack region. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But having dedicated people running the day-to-day operations is really the only way to do this kind of thing. Yeah, things get tighter. Yeah. When you guys care about, if you care about quality, you need people dedicated all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you guys came on, what was the biggest thing that what was the biggest thing that you guys ended up working on? What was the biggest changes that you ended up putting into this place it's a lot of things really um on my end i know it's like a lot more just like a lot of planning forward contracting of our hops and you know watching our throughput things like that at least on my end now that's that's a big thing right now uh planning your hops in advance um i was talking to paul briefly and we're talking a little bit about the issue with hops you guys are part of the farm brewing the New York State Farm Brewing, and I've talked about it before, but for those that don't remember, the uh, New York State Farm Brewing Act, I believe it was called, it allows businesses to get started a little bit quicker, but it also requires a certain amount of the hops and malts and other ingredients come from New York State, all going up over time. Right. And New York State does not grow necessarily the hops that everybody wants right now. There's a lot of high pine hops, not the more interesting experimental hops. Right, yeah, that's very well put. Um, it requires you to get creative with how you brew and how you use the ingredients, uh, no doubt. I mean, it's not even so much the brewing end of it, it's the sourcing end of it. That's yeah. probably the hardest thing. There appears not to be enough farms out there right now, um, even fewer farms that are actually producing a quality product that you want to use. And then those that are, you know, 
they're small, so we're paying a premium for those ingredients right now. Right. On the other hand, we're supporting local agriculture, and you keep supporting these people, you know, we will have an industry. Well, the demand is the demand is growing like crazy right now because of all these breweries. I mean, Rochester alone probably has almost ten farm breweries, and it's it's really going to push that market to evolve quickly. I'm yep. what I, what I'm what I'm imagining is kind of what places do is hybridizing some of these more creatively flavored hops, getting these flavors that we're all looking for with tropical fruits. And try and hybridize them with the more cold tolerant hops we have here in New York State. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the USDA released three new varieties to the public two years, I think, ago. Okay. Um, I don't think anybody has them in the ground in New York yet, but you know there is some availability. Um, I've heard rumors of some people getting some experimental varieties and starting to start to try to grow those in New York. So we'll see what happens within the next you know three five years. I mean, it's kind of the kind of the hope. Or else people get locked into a certain style and you have to be exceedingly creative. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not I'm sure you guys have already been creating around these around these restrictions already. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what we do. That's where the creativity and brewing comes right. in. So what what's one way you've used these hops in a different way that like I might not have thought of? It's not even so much that. It's mm. just about getting your blends right. Okay. Blending them with the varieties out west. You know, you wanna blend in your New York Centennial with your Citra just right to get to where you want to be. Okay. I mean, yeah, I imagine it's kind of a challenge. Yeah. But also, I mean, we were talking a little bit before. It's trial and error. Yeah. Is really what it comes yeah. down to. Brewing is just one big experiment, essentially, every single time. Whether we're blending different types of the hops together, just the whole process from brewing is like an experiment. You're following the directions and seeing what the outcome is. And granted, at this stage, we're a very controlled experiment. We already know for the most part what the outcome is, but we still have to push it through the brew house, through the cellar, and into the package. JD does a lot of analysis on this stuff when we're trying to do experiments. You know, when we change things on a recipe, we'll do blind sensory panels, statistical analysis on, you know, how that beer is scored in sensory over time. So, I mean, that's a great idea. I mean, that's that's what the bigger breweries do all the time, um, and. Because of your location, you have to do all that stuff on site, pretty much. Yeah, you don't have a lot of outside resources, right, in the general no, area. But I went to school for industrial engineering, so numbers, analysis, processes is my bag. Yeah. So it was really not too much extra work for me to do because that's something that I I enjoy. I'm good at. That's awesome. Well, it's good to have a diversity of skill sets. I mean. I mean, I'm a mechanical engineer by trade. Right. That's that's my degree. So, I mean, when you have that background, there's no reason why you shouldn't build a lab because you can do it relatively cheap. Yeah. Right. It's always that's relatively that's cheap. That's exactly what we did. Yeah. Now we have a stainless steel table on a cart with a bunch of stuff underneath it. So. That's awesome. <laughs> but, that, but that's the way you do it, especially when you're ramping up your production. And, I mean, I can find Paradox Brewery beer now in Rochester pretty easily. It's relatively easy to find. Um, so that expansion has been pretty rapid for you guys because even last year I didn't see much outside of here, and now I see cans of it on a regular basis. So what was the how was that jump to canning uh, from just having stuff here on site? The jump to canning. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic stall tactic. Of course, <laughs> this is repeat the question. I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, 
I mean, I don't necessarily think that canning is uh, 100% why we're able, like we're in that market as much. Okay. Um, I mean, we've just been trying to kind of grow and get get ourselves out there, and um, I mean, we happen to we work with Rhino, and and they've gotten a lot of our beer around, and for the time being, we're we're doing some uh, contracting with Two Roads, which has allowed us to ramp up our production IPA and Pilsner, um, and then we do uh, we do on-site canning for mainly just Southern Hemisphere and Overbite, and um, but we're getting uh, our canning line should be here. It's supposed to ship the fourth for delivery on or about the twelfth. Wow! Yeah, I mean that's theoretically. I mean, I mean that's great. I mean I know. I mean very few of the smaller breweries, even in Rochester, have their own canning line. They'll have one come in every so often to can, mm-hmm. and then they'll you know move on to the next place. And that's what, how we started doing it. And at a certain point, it does you start to look at those numbers pretty closely. And at a certain point, it does make financial sense to have your own canning line. And, you know, be the master of your yeah. own beer. Oh, this beer is ready now. Let's can it now. Yeah. Not this beer is ready now. Let's well, we're going to can it in a week. Yeah. What also allows you flexibility to do smaller runs too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Is when you bring in a line, you kind of have to go big you have to go big canning you have to do a lot as much as you can in one time yep and then move it on right yeah exactly so now if you want to do more you know more experimental stuff you can and can in cans that's uh, that's <laughs> our that's what we're planning to do too um we have a new series that we're introducing called weather where it's just going to be rotating hoppy beers kind of well I mean, that's what everybody's going for right now Everybody's gunning for, I mean, the masses are gunning for, actually, I take that back. The masses of beer nerds are going for IPAs, going for experimentals, going for interesting hop combinations. Right. They're going for big double IPAs a lot of the time, and that market's getting crowded. I mean, everybody still loves hops. Everybody still really wants what's new. Yeah. You know, everybody says, oh, I've had Beaver Bite before. I've had over a bite before that's not as exciting to people southern hemisphere being pretty limited still gets people pretty excited but you know constant new release allows us to maybe figure out that next thing that we may bring into the portfolio on a regular basis and also keeps people excited and keeps the conversation going all the time yeah i mean that's where southern hemisphere came from was out of our off trail series um we lucked into some southern hemisphere hops april last april right about a year ago and that beard like was amazing everyone loved it and we were able to get more and we said okay let's try this in cans and it's just kind of snowballed from there so out of that you know rotating program came a i don't want to say a year-round or a core beer but a regular beer yeah well that that's a great thing too is to have stuff people can depend on and one of the other things i noticed is that one of the other beers that you guys have regular basis in cans is a pilsner and it seems like that's now for the um, for the brewers that I've met, for the people that talk and are really into the beer scene, they're excited that Pilsners and all those kind of beers, uh, Kolsch's, those are all coming back right now, and that people are really taking the craft approach to making these more simple beers that you can't really hide behind. You can't hide behind the hops. Right. It's very uh, meticulous, and any flaw in the process really will show in, like, uh Pilsner or some of these really clean lagers and um, we like those beers, the lower alcohol beers because you can sit down, you can have a couple of them and 
these days you're able to get as much flavor out of a session IPA as you can a double IPA, just for example. And um, it's tough sometimes to drink a full can of uh, 8%, 9% beer just loaded with a bunch of... It hops. is. It like wrecks your palate sometimes, so huh? like it's good to drink a couple of the, <laughs> the lighter stuff, the little more um, beers you can drink more than one of, I guess, or not yeah. necessarily get stuffed on. Yeah, because I mean, I was... I was sitting around the sitting around the campfire. I'm doing this on part of my vacation. I was sitting around the campfire the other day, and I had we uh, we have some samples that we're going to dive into in a minute. But I had just this eight percent eight percent monster that I had just sitting at the campfire. And I wake up the next morning, I'm like, oh my god, I only had one. <laughs> and then I realize it's a sixteen ounce can. Yeah. It's eight percent. And it's just thick and nasty. You've been camping all day. Yeah. Not drinking enough water. Yeah, exactly. Like, I had one beer, and I'm like, oh, I have a headache in the morning? Really? This is what's going on? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, no, we had to outlaw all the double IPAs on school nights. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's for the best. Yeah. It's for the best. Um... So I mean, let's let's crack into something while we're while we're sitting here. Where do you think we ought to start? I mean, we got funk, we got a good amount of hops, and we got dark beer. Or whatever you guys Um, want to start with. Should we start with uh, Southern Hemisphere since you just talked about it? Yeah, sounds good. So, I mean, you're talking Southern Hemisphere hops. What is there anything else about this beer that stands out, or is that really the focus on that specific hop? This beer is about the hops. Yeah. Yeah. It gets some compliment from our yeast strain, some of those nice esters and fruity characteristics, but it's more mostly about the hops in this beer. Where, like, Overbite's a little more, um, still big double IPA, but a little more in tune with everything else between the yeast and the hops. Okay. um, Malt and whatnot. Nice. Yeah, because it's it seems right now right now the trend is obviously it's towards the New England style cloudy, very low malt. Yeah, you know you you see almost no color whatsoever, when other than this you know light straw, and that's about all you ever get now is just super cloudy, and that's what everybody wants right now. Mm-hmm. I I'll admit I occasionally look at our flights and go, wow, we brew a lot of. Yellow and orange beers. We don't have a lot of dark beers in there. I mean, we got rye pale ale, which has a little bit of a red, kind of amber color to mm-hmm. it. But other than that, I'm like, wow, we're kind of falling into that yellow beer trap. Yeah. Any thoughts about trying to do stouts and stouts and darker beers too? Or so we do bring some of that stuff in mm-hmm. um, to open off trail this year. We did it was um, vanilla. Uh, yeah, big yep. uh, imperial stout. Nice. 60 or 70 percent oats but so the nice seasonality will bring some of the dark beers in mm-hmm. and then we got you know um a steam beer planned oh, um, cool. later this year which will have um spruce tips in it so oh, that'll be probably great. be slightly darker in color we got a beer de guard that'll be slightly darker in color so as the seasons change we will bring some of that stuff in and i love the idea of using spruce tips i mean really using that i mean you can use those things and really generate interesting flavors out of it I had one. Where did I have one with spruce tips? It was a dark beer with spruce mm-hmm. tips, and it was so interesting because it got so bright in the middle. Right. That's sometimes a harder thing with these big stouts. They get just deep, and that's it. Yeah, it's right. thick and nasty and oily, and in a right. great way, of course. Right. But when you can add that brightness in the middle, that can be really yeah. interesting. Spruce tips are a New York State ingredient too, so yeah, we got that going for us. Absolutely. I mean, there's really no reason we shouldn't be using that stuff. And it, it allows it's more creativity. growing everywhere. Absolutely. Mm. 
Yeah, we're all doing the sniff test right now. <laughs> we're all we're all nose deep into our glasses. Mm-hmm. And really get a lot of that like coconut, pineapple inside mm. of the nose. It's like exploding out. And it's so soft. I mean, it's really soft. I mean, it's a pleasant lingering bitterness on the on the end of the on the end of the palate, but it doesn't it doesn't wreck you by any means. No, I mean the IPA should have some bitterness. I feel like we might be as an industry slipping away from the style a little bit too much. You know, you you want a little bit of a hop backbone, a little bit of bitterness. I think to so. Round things out. I think so, and you know, it does turn some people off. My wife, I force her to taste all the different beers that I get. And she just can't. She just can't. But that's why we have stuff to balance it out. That's why we have a Pilsner right. available. We have some softer softer items available as well. well Although these are, I mean, this is pretty soft considering. Yeah, I mean, making approachable beer is important. I like nasty everything. I like <laughs> strong flavors in my food. I like strong flavors in my beer. But balance, I'm sure, is the thing you guys want to work on the most. Yeah, some so achieve Depends some sort of what we're doing. Okay. It like, doesn't always have to be perfectly balanced, but leaning on one way or the other, depending on the style, depending on what we're doing, what we're trying to get out of it. Yeah, it's more about kind of like JD said, figuring that beer out. What what am I trying to do with this? It's you know, right now we're drinking rye pale ale every day. Um, we've been developing that beer for over a year. We recently cha- changed the name. And we're getting close now, but we're trying to hone in those last couple things on the recipe to kind of finally bring that beer where we want it to be. So everybody's homework at the end of every day is to have one rye pale ale, think about it, and if we do that for long enough, we'll get the beer to where we want it to be. We'll figure it out to be able, be able to wrap our head completely around it. That's interesting. So how far along in the process are you guys right now? Uh, how long do we work for the rye? Speaking? Yeah. It's been changing even since Probably six-ish months plus. Oh, yeah, I'd, say closer, I'd say closer to eight months. Yeah, because yeah. so right, we were tweaking the red ale, and then we changed it to rye pale ale, and then we we're tweaking with that some more. Yeah, but, fermentation schedule. Right, we stopped stuff. filtering it. We're using our ale yeast that we use in our IPA now. Okay. Um, try and give it a little more um, estuary, a little more brightness, give it a little more um, stability. Um, right, stability in the trade. Right. When we were filtering the beer previously, it was it looked nice. It was really beautiful in the glass but it did not have the stability we needed it to the you know hops hate filters and the hops are just falling out of the beer within what four weeks six yeah, weeks sometimes way quicker than yeah way and then you're just, prefer. Yeah, yeah and then we're just left with this you know toasty malt bomb then we lose our balance that we were you Interesting. know trying so hard to achieve so I, I like that I like that you guys are working on one beer for eight months and really trying to get it right, and still, you know, still serving because it's obviously when it's fresh and on draft, you're probably not getting any stability issues with no, that. No, no, no. It's about inventory control yeah. then. And we did the same thing with Pilsner last summer. Pilsner last year, yeah, every day every last day, summer, every even probably six months still every day, three, four, six months just Pilsner before we can have anything else at the end of the day. And um, with our sensory scores, because we all do our sensory and grade everything and. The Pilsner jumped like 15 or 16 points this year compared to last year's sensory score. So um, that just adds a little um, credence a little yeah. credence to our um, changes in what we think versus same, what actually yeah. it is. Same kind of process, you know, really just diving into the little things and 
tweaking every little thing. So what Pilsner ended up being, too. Yeah. A million little tweaks made a beer that tasted a lot better, but fundamentally fundamentally was not a different, you know, tectonic direction shift. Yeah. Um, with the red, now rye, that ended up going in a different direction. We were doing big changes and ended up just kind of swinging in another direction. Hmm. I like that. I mean, it's when you have a crew who's dedicated, that's what you can do. You can sit down and just, hey, we're, we're trying to fix this. We're trying to make it better. We're trying to do the best we can right. on, on the scale we're at. Um, <laughs> which, um, you know, was, uh, again, I was talking to Paul, the owner, briefly, and it sounds like you guys are working on expansion as well. He's doing it right now. Which is... <laughs> has working, to be. He's working on it right now. So, <laughs> you guys tell me a little bit about what that is? You want to jump in? Sure. You want to talk to him a while? Uh, so, we are basically going to move up the road. It was about 10, 15 minutes yeah. north yeah, here. 12 miles. At, yeah, the old uh, frontier town. So, we have, <laughs> have a location worked out and... Uh, Getting a, getting a really nice system and kind of finally building a facility capable of what we want. Purpose building is a facility. Yeah, yeah. finally. It'll be a building built around a brewery, not a brewery shoved inside an existing building. Because <laughs> yes. right now your actual brewery here on site is how big? It's a 10 barrel brew house. 10. Mm-hmm. So, and you'll be moving up to a 40, hectolit- 40 hectoliter, which is a 35 barrel. Wow. I mean, that's, that's pretty big for any craft brewery, um, Rochester or otherwise. Um, yeah, because we just got, yeah, I think the biggest beer ones that are opening around 30-ish right now in and around our area. So that's got to be exciting for you guys and kind of a new, daunting experience to get behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's the excitement as well as the, okay, let's once it's time to scale up and dial in the brew house and stuff. That'll be fun. It'll also be a lot of work, but we have a lot of a lot of our data, and we know exactly sort of marks we got to try and hit. So hopefully, it won't be too long before we can get everything dialed in and ramped up. Yeah, luckily, some of our expansion delays allowed us to collect a lot more data. Yeah, and kind of shocked us into getting really serious about data collection. So when it's time, we're able to hopefully make this transition easier. And I have to imagine doing some of the uh, working with contract brewing as well um, would help because obviously they're brewing on a bigger system than what you have as well. Yep. So getting some of that information ahead of time would yeah, exactly. probably help that transition a little bit too. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've right. scaled recipes and stuff like that. Yeah, because that's all, that, um, all the two roads data and stuff, the fermentation data we have access to, so we're able to note all that stuff. So the centrifuge data, because obviously we don't have the centrifuge here plan on getting one at the new place so awesome. help us sort of like, give us a starting spot of this is what they do to get this resolved how do we tweak it to what we're doing at the new place that's cool i mean that's really exciting i, I remember when i was a kid going to frontier town um and it wasn't that long until that place became completely desolate and it's kind of that way when you drive around the the roads and yeah. in and around the high peaks here at the adirondacks you get a lot of you just get a lot of abandoned buildings, and it's kind of depressing. That's why it's exciting to me to hear somebody developing, expanding, and using that land. It's a great space. Yeah, it's, yeah. there's a really nice view of the mountains from where we're putting the brewery. Yeah, I mean, North Hudson's a weird little town, and 
I'm excited to hear something going in there instead of you know just being the same forever. Right. Yeah. And the state's doing a huge project in there too, putting in year-round camping, revamping some of the trail systems, and well, that's awesome. Creating like almost um, I guess solidifying the infrastructure there and around there to help the year-round traffic coming through. I'm trying to make it a destination. And I think it should be. I mean, all there's so many cool little towns in and around this area, and that if we're not working on growing them, it's just environmentalism kind of stagnates, and it's just just one kind of tourism. Yeah, and we have tourism passing the Adirondacks by. I mean, beer tourism is just one example of people from New York City, Connecticut, New Jersey, effectively passing the Adirondacks and going to Maine, going to Vermont. New Hampshire even, you know, so if we can pull in some of that tourist traffic and have, you know, this part of upstate New York become more of a destination, well, that's jobs, that's gas, people buying gas, that's hotels, that's everything. Yeah. Well, it's it's something you need around here. You need jobs. You need real, in its real progress. I mean, people are buying beer regardless. So why mm-hmm. shouldn't they be buying local New York State products, New York State beer? Right. I mean... You should be. And I think that's generally one of the things I, I always want to push now is make sure you're buying breweries that are independently owned, craft breweries, and try and avoid, try and educate yourself a little bit mm-hmm. and don't don't buy from your big InBev and Miller Coors. Don't buy their subsidiaries. Support the small businesses. We're, we're trying to right. improve communities here. Right. And I think that's what we, yeah. We're in your backyard. We're giving jobs to your neighbors. Yeah. Right. Because, I mean, you can see it sort of in Vermont, some of those smaller towns and whatnot, with these breweries that have come in and helped sort of transform some of these smaller communities. And um, hopefully we'll be able to do the same sort of thing in the Adirondacks. And all the other breweries in the Adirondacks, hopefully we keep getting stronger and growing as well as yeah. we grow. I think it's a, I mean, that's a great example. I was, I was in Vermont this past Saturday. And you're just driving through, and it's so overwhelming how many amazing options you have that, I mean, it's, you can trip and fall into another great brewery, and they're moving all the time. And it's it's an amazing thing that these towns are not much else. I mean, um, the great, I mean, the Alchemist opened in Stowe, which obviously has some sort of infrastructure behind it, but still, they opened this beautiful new facility right there. And now all these people are coming in every day. They're eating at the restaurants. They're spending time in the town. They're probably staying over a lot of times. Yeah. I mean, Hill Farmstead's in the middle of absolute nowhere. Yeah. Right, isn't there a gas station down the street, too? He's probably just getting a ton of business now. And they probably bring in so much ice. <laughs> yeah. So much ice. The ice production is going to go crazy in that area. Oh, all right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and pour our next beer, and we'll be right back. I'd like to take a second to tell you about a new project I'm working on called Frankly. That's P-H-R-A-N-K dot L-Y. Frankly is the best way to find the products you love when it comes to food and drink. Whether you're searching for that special liquor or you're trying to find that cheese that you loved at the restaurant that you just can't stop going to. Frankly makes it easy for you to find everything you love in food and drink. So take a look at the website, frankly, P-H-R-A-N-K dot L-Y. And if you're a local business and would like to show that you're doing things the right way and sourcing locally, let me know at info at frankly, 
P-H-R-A-N-K-L-Y. And we're back. We were just talking about Lake Placid for a few minutes and how much I don't like going there. Um, although I did find, I'm just going to say, I found the Good Bite Kitchen, which is a tiny hole-in-the-wall vegetarian restaurant in the middle of Lake Placid. And it was sort of a respite away from the rest of the touristy uh, nonsense. And it was actually legitimately good food. So if you guys end up finding your way up there, I would recommend stopping into the Good Bite Kitchen. Um, real good vegetarian food, and it's just vegetables and just well-done good stuff, which I love. If you're eating vegetarian food, just eat the damn vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> I like tofu as much as the next guy, but, I mean, let's let's eat the vegetables. They're delicious. I like tofu. Mm-hmm. I do, too. Yeah, we have, we have a new place... Um, I actually had a great tofu dish at a Korean restaurant in Rochester a couple weeks ago. They made it so crispy. Oh, nice. Really crunchy tofu with um, Korean chili paste and just sliced vegetables, and it was awesome. But it's like you have to treat every ingredient with respect. You know, it doesn't matter what you're doing, um, whether it's in in food or, look at this pivot right here, I see it. or in beer treating your ingredients properly to optimize their flavor in whatever you're doing. So we're about to pour our next beer. What are we thinking, guys? Do you want to get wild? Sounds good to me. Let's get a little wild. So you guys, not only are you doing the cans, which are mostly your hops and your Pilsner, but you guys have been doing bottles as well with more of your sours and things Um, like that. Yeah, we have... um Barrels that have some old wine punchins that we've inoculated with uh, Britannomyces, which is a wild yeast. And then the strains of Brett that we have, we've cultured up from bottle dregs or flora and stuff around the brewery. So it's really our own personal blend of wild yeast that we're using to uh, ferment this beer in the oak. That's awesome. And, and talk about the flavors that Brett brings that, if you're not using that it's it's a completely different flavor experience yeah because like sometimes if you describe what some of these brett beers smell like it's like (laughs) why would you want to drink it not because it's necessarily an awful smell but the descriptors that are used like earthy or hay or funky sometimes depending on the levels of the funk but we like to get a real fruity citrusy like um taste and Definitely go full flavor in all of our wild stuff. Yeah, because Brett, I mean, can edge towards that funk and that um, barnyardy aromas, I think is the nice way of putting it. Um, and you're not really getting that in this one. Now, this one is a... This is a three-grain Saison. Okay. Um, three-grain Saison with our house culture of Britannomyces, which we like to call machine gun funk. Yeah, and it's certainly not pushing the limits on how aggressive you can be with this. This so these bottles will all develop quite a bit. Okay. In the bottle. As um, it sits. All of our Brett beers, after they sit for probably three, four, five months, really start to pick up some funk. Okay. In the bottle. Because right now usually this one the, Yeah, the initial release is usually pretty fruity. Yep. Really heavy emphasis on like pineapple and stuff like that. And then as they sit in the bottle, they'll mature and they'll become more and more funky. So you get a pretty cool flavor spectrum. Because right now you're still getting a bunch of the grain up front. Yep. It's sour, but it's it's on the lighter end of a sour right now um, versus some of the more crazy assertive sours you can get around. Yeah, none of our Brett stuff will develop 
an awful lot of acidity. Um, we don't inoculate with any bacteria currently unless we're doing a kettle sour. Um, so it's all 100% Britannomyces fermented, so we won't really develop a whole lot of acidity. You'll okay. get some. But more flavor development than acidity development. Exactly. Right. And this is, I mean, this is a very drinkable beer, too. And I'm sure you're right. It'll probably get more interesting over time. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, clocks in at under 5%. Um, pretty highly carbonated to the style. And um, this time of year, it's fantastic to sit on your, in the backyard reading a book and on a Sunday morning or whatnot. Absolutely. Um, so which, so for you guys, what is your favorite thing to work on? Is it the funky weird stuff? Or is it the day-to-day, you know, chemistry kind of thing? Trying to get everything the same forever. I like to work on the funky weird stuff. I like, well, I guess recipe development. Yeah. For me, anyway. I mean, it has to be a little more, you know, flexing the creative muscles a little bit. Yeah. And if you don't have that stuff, it kind of might get a little stayed over time. Yeah. It's also fun to kind of try to see how much you can squeeze the facility. We get that yeah. day where we're like, wow, we got a lot done. Wow, we've never done that much in a day. We've said that like three times this year. That's awesome. So there's a certain sick pleasure that comes out of that. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible during the fun minute. stuff funky about stuff. like playing with the funky stuff, the wild stuff, stuff in wood, whether clean or inoculated with something, is just like, especially with the wild stuff, you don't necessarily know what what or when it's gonna be done doing what it's doing because mm. even if it's fully fermented and attenuated we've had wild beers sit like a month plus in the barrel after it's been fully attenuated just because it's doing its thing creating some weird flavors and getting rid of those weird flavors and the good stuff and just it's almost like a big roller coaster ride throughout the oh that tastes fermentation weird let's forget order. about it for yeah. three months <laughs> don't drink this for a little while and then come back yeah well, I mean, that's, that's an interesting thing about it because it's not just, are the sugars gone? Okay, you're done. Right. So now you're, now you're sort of tasting and tasting and tasting and seeing where it ends up. certain amount of self-control that has to come from that. <clears throat> right. Tasting out of your barrels too much won't do them any favors. <laughs> true. Absolutely true. Right. We have to put limits on, like, all right, Friday's wood day. All right. Not what are we going to try this right. Friday? We can't try everything we have. We don't want to... Right, we got to... Not only because it's noon and there's work to do, but... <laughs> we want to limit the oxygen, which will limit acetic acid pickup and all that, but... Yeah, it's definitely the fun stuff, because yeah. it does. It lets you sort of get rid of the shackles and just... Watch your baby. See what happens. Up. Yes. <laughs> so... What was what was your guys' journey to get to working in beer? Were you always interested? I'm gonna go first. Um, my true passion actually was in payroll. Oh, obviously. Yeah. I mean, most people's really is. This they is just don't get the opportunity. Loves <laughs> payroll. <laughs> Dreams of the day you can do ours. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, I worked for paychecks for a while, and and that really wasn't my passion, but. Um, I'm home brewing a lot and stuff. I mean, my growing up, uh, like my dad, my uncle, and my grandfather were big into making wine and stuff. So that we kind of enjoyed doing stuff like that, and uh, eventually decided to pursue it as a career. That's pretty awesome. And then you found your way up here, or did you work somewhere else beforehand? Nope, found my way up here. 
spoke on the phone for a while with this guy, and and uh, then we made him come in and move like 150 kegs in and out of Kool-Aid. <laughs> we wanted to make sure he could actually work his ass off. We needed to move one pallet like six inches, but we had to take all the kegs out of the lock-in to get to the pallet to move it. Oh my god, that's great. He did no, it without that was Tommy's interview day. So yep, that's how we interviewed him. He didn't complain and moved all the kegs. Except that's real brewery work. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, it's, yeah, you get a lot of people who are like, "Oh, you're a brewer. You just drink beer all day long." Like, "Oh, this is great." Podcast that notwithstanding. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, that's cool. So this is, this is your first first brewery gig. Yep. That's interesting. Was was it what you expected, or com- just completely different? Uh, I would say it's pretty much what I expected. Like, I mean. I knew there's a lot of work that goes along with it, and um, and just I kind of like doing I'm more of a hands-on kind of person. Sitting, you know, at, behind a computer and stuff like wasn't I need just a little bit more stimulation and stuff yeah. like that. So, um, and I'd worked in restaurants before, so I was kind of familiar with uh, how much work can actually be involved, you know. Besides just the cooking aspect or something like yeah, that. Yeah, everything that makes everything else work. Exactly. So, Mr. QA man, uh, what about you? <laughs> Me, I uh, graduated um, college with a degree in industrial engineering. Um, so I'm real comfortable with numbers and processes and efficiencies. I worked at the um, Stewarts, um, at, at Stewarts and their offices and their... Um, manufacturing facility for a while but dairy industry was never something I was super passionate about and but still a very big they're a very yeah. big force in this I got area. um I got a lot of good experience there just like a real deal manufacturing facility but um right so I needed um I was there for like six months about um I always home brewing I home brewed throughout college beer is always been a big part of my life, I guess, once I started. Started drinking beer and discovering all the different things out there. And so I spent a few months trying to apply to jobs, apply to jobs. My first brewing job was um, at the end of the uh, packaging line at Old Saratoga, palletizing bottles off the end of the line. And then that wasn't where I wanted to be, but I knew that this quick thing to get in and do and just until I was able to get something a little more fitting to me. And then um, saw Paradox Breweries hiring a little bit, so I sent an email, talked to Devin a little bit, interviewed a little bit, and got satisfied, satisfied. I by the time you were here, you were coming in, I was like losing my mind and needed help. And it's only like 20 minutes north of where Lake George, where I grew up, so... Oh, that's an interesting place to grow up. Yeah. <laughs> Did you? Were you right outside the village? I lived in the village, like really? three roads up from the main oh, street. That's another was, terrible place to be. Yes, <laughs> it was. The summer is awful. Right, because it's winter it's, is fantastic. But yeah, I was gonna say because actually there's a lot of interest in wintertime stuff to do in and around the area, but what you'd get during the summer is just the influx of tourists all the time. And there's nothing worse than tourists. Um, <laughs> and tourists that don't respect the area. Oh, God, they no. They just see it as a big playground. They don't see it as this beautiful lake or the Adirondacks or everything else. Yeah. It's just a big playground for them to party and, and throw their garbage away. Yeah, and then half of half of the stores in town are just T-shirt stores and yeah. 
you know, chintzy little gifts, and it's just wax museums, wax museums, wax don't, museums. arcades, and the arcade. Oh, I, mini I golf. <laughs> what about mini golf? Mini golf, I'm all for. You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll abide by Pirates Cove every day of the week. It's a good mini golf place. I take my miniature golf very seriously. And that's <laughs> did a high you, did pu- you bring your putter with you? We don't bring the putter because we play all by the same rules. Right. Our family takes our mini golf very seriously. But, you know, we want to make sure everybody's on the even playing field. Right. In Pirates Cove, it's a cloudy establishment. <laughs> I'll give Lake George that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's a, that is an odd place to grow it's, up. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was that's why he turned out this way. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely living in Rochester. Never saw tourism like that. No, except for like going to Niagara Falls or something like that. But yeah, Niagara Falls is that way. And you know what? It's our festival scene is kind of like that too. If you go out to Jazz Jazz Fest, Fest, I mean Jazz Fest is just so dense with people that aren't where they usually are. It's it's only one week though. It's true. It's not the whole summer. Every summer. The worst is when, like, so you have a sailboat, so it's like, ah, right, let's go out on the lake for a sailboat, but then there's hundreds of boats just flying around, and the mm. lake's super choppy from all the lake. And it's a big lake, but everybody's all in one area. Right. Because they don't want to go too far away from the village. Right. You know, why would you want to go to the, the rest of the giant lake that it's on? Why would you want to go to, like, the Narrows, where it's just mountains and islands, as far as you can see? No, why, why, would, you want be, <laughs> why would you want those beautiful vistas? Why would you want to be there? Let's save that for you. Yeah. Absolutely. So what about you, Devin? How'd you how'd you end up getting to here? So I had um, like almost everybody else had a home brewing problem. <laughs> um, that I kind of quickly transitioned into a career. I was working at uh, my family business, which I was pumping full service gas at the time, going nice. to New Albany for history. Um, I decided I wanted to get into brewing, so I changed my minor to biology to try and get a little bit of useful experience. Um, applied to every brewery in the state. Got a job at Adirondack Brewery in Lake George and dropped out of school. Adirondack Brewery, I don't know much about them. Yep, so they were they're in the area, one of the older breweries. Okay. Um, they were just starting to really kick into gear when I got there, so I got a pretty good education there. Um, worked there for, I think it was about a year, maybe a little over. Um, moved from there down to Charleston, South Carolina to take a head brewer job down there and get a brewery like just lifting up and off the ground. Worked there for a year, but I was away from all my family. And so. Charleston, Charleston is supposed to be a hell of a city, though. Charleston's great. I mean, it's, it's kind right of by like, the ocean. There's a lot of food. Yeah. Um, it was a cool city, but, you know, I was away from basically everybody. Mm. So I wanted to make a move back home to be closer to my family. So Paul had a pub brewer post up. This is kind of when he was between brewers. He was in, down there losing his mind, trying to do literally everything by himself in addition to running the business. So I moved back up as soon as I could get out of my lease, and I've been here since. Nice. So what was the, I mean, that transition from, had to be kind of nice, so you're, what, an hour away from family at this point? Uh, yeah, now I actually live in Malta. Okay. Which is exit 12 off the north way, so I'm about 45 minutes away from work. So, okay, so that's not too bad. No, it's, 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 it's bearable. In the winter, I'll it's a little it's, bit rough. I'll say it's bearable. Yeah, I've been off the road a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> if you're driving around here in the winter and you haven't gone off the road, I mean, are you really driving? No, you're not. <laughs> Just six inches of snow. Don't worry about it. Just six inches. That's what I mean, the plow trucks are for. Yeah, exactly. I do occasionally stay home if there's like two feet. Two feet will do it. Especially up here because they can't, the frequency isn't quite what it is like yeah. on the 490 back in Rochester. Right. When they're going on, you know, 
every five minutes, every ten minutes, circling around. They just can't. There's just so much space up yeah. here. Yeah. Hmm. So, what's the what's the thing you guys are most excited about as you're growing? What what's what's the next thing in your head that you're excited about? I know you talked about the weather series. You know, experimenting with hops. What else are you excited about as you're moving on and moving on to new uh, facilities and everything else? With this new brewery, our life is just going to get a lot easier. Yeah. We're going to have the space to do what we need to do. Laid out the way you want it to be laid out. out. The way we want it to be laid out. An entire facility that's forklift friendly everywhere we need to get the forklift. Oh, that has to be really nice. Yeah, talk about that for a second. Like, what, what what are the things that you wanted in this place that obviously you can't do now? Space. Yeah, honestly, I mean, it's pretty simple. We need space. Worker-friendly space. Yeah, I mean, we can fit our tanks in, but we're carrying stuff around, and we're, you know, JD's got what effectively amounts to a mobile lab, Um, mobile canning, where even with our new canning line, we're going to be setting it up and breaking it down every time we want to use it. Oh, wow. So it's it's a space crunch here. That's really what it comes down to. You know, we're growing into outbuildings. We have our malt storage trailer. We have a trailer for our storage... um, storage container for our barrels that's insulated heated and cooled um we're just bursting yeah. we're bursting at the seams four shipping containers two tents a couple extra coolers outside yeah, we right. built a new cooler that was supposed to save us and uh and that just it's filled feels yeah. like that and like it's empty now though. yeah it'd be so on top of like our distribution and making sure we're like timing everything perfectly so we'll have room for the beer coming out down the road. Right, but you also have to get everybody a product mix. Right. Right. So now you can be a little more flexible. You can, I'm sure, have more space for barrels, which I'm sure you guys are excited about. Mm -hmm. That's all anybody talks about. It is. Everybody I've talked to that does, that's doing brewing, there's some guys that are doing, um, they're doing uh, coffee and beer in Rochester. Was it that place that was going to open up, um, like, kind of by South Ave and yeah, they're talking about it's on St. Paul is what they're talking about, uh, just north of Main Street, uh, Fifth Frame Brewing. They're doing coffee, beer, and coffee beer um, in all, all its forms. But what they talked about when they're opening the facility, they were just thrilled about the barrel space, just how many barrels they could put into this place. Maybe, and it's, maybe they want to do a collab. <laughs> it, it, makes, it makes it exciting. I mean, it gives you a chance to do longer aging, longer interesting things that you can do. We don't cut the aging. We just cut beers out of the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. But that's good. I mean, that, that's Two focused. years we've been trying to make a wild grisette. Oh, we're, right. We're, we're swinging and missing for our second time this I don't know anything about that style. What, what, is, what is that style? It's, well, it depends on who you ask. I mean, it was a dead style for the longest time. And um, what's the guy's name from Side Project? I've heard of Side, but side Projects. They effectively... Brought it back, kind of with his interpretation. So okay. it's a saison esque style. Um, historically, rather than being provided to farmers like saison was, grisette was provided to mine workers. It's a largely unmalted wheat-based beer, dry, somewhat saison-like in its kind of fermentation profile. Okay. As far as we know, or I know, there's a couple people doing a lot of research on it right now, but still not a lot known. And you know, the style was dead, similar to Goza. Uh, which Until is people started brewing it, and American, the American tradition really revived it. Right. So we were going to put our own spin on it, take our wild culture, you know, for low 4% wheat beer, um, fermented 
mostly on malted wheat with our wild culture and like I said, two years in a row, we've, yeah. <laughs> we've missed it. Because we're trying to release it at, like, the height of summer. Right. When it's hot out and you want just, like, a crusher. And we just, we keep missing. That sounds like a, sounds like a great idea. Right. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, because that's why we keep putting the beer on the schedule every year. <laughs> but, yeah, we're working with the Wild East, it works when the hell it wants to work. Like, yeah. it's not on a set schedule like Sacramento season is. It's, it does its own thing, however long it takes. Huh. Right. So... Let's talk about food for a second. This whole area is not what I would call a culinary... It's not a bastion of culinary delights. Tell me um, about it. Uh, it's, it's a little bit rough. Um, I mean, there's some places that seem to be trying to do things well, but they're a bit few and far between. Um, how do you guys do food up here? Do you guys cook a lot? Do you guys... You know, how do you guys end up doing food up in this area? I've uh, been kind of for the past, ever since we, we moved here... And my wife, I've been trying to master the art of dim sum. Oh, interesting. So that, that was like the hardest thing uh, moving here was, I mean, Rochester, you have a couple of good Asian food markets and some Absolutely. joints that do good dim sum. Around here, you can go to Albany. Albany has, has some dim sum. Okay. Um, but yeah, I've kind of, I mean, I, even in Rochester, I cooked a lot, but I, I cook a hell of a lot more here. And, and every now and then you can find like a couple of nice little uh, little places to go like if you go to Saratoga or something which is like 20 minutes sure. south of where we live and there's there's some cool pockets of uh, food there um, yeah because it's it's a little it's a little bit hard because every, obviously you don't have the density of people you don't have the diversity of people so your your fare is going to be a little bit more boring for lack of a better way of saying it right um, even if you get like up to Lake Placid, you find a couple interesting little spots, uh, but most of the stuff is Italian-American standard fare. Mm-hmm. And if you're adventurous in what you're making in beer, I'm assuming you guys want some interesting food, too. Oh, yeah. I rent right now, so I'm just, yeah. I hate the fact that I can't have a grill or a smoker Ooh. or anything like that. You've so. got a pretty awesome kitchen, though. I have a nice kitchen, but like I've never been a big, like, Maybe you know, in-the-kitchen kitchen cooker. You know, like, that's never been my jam. I've always been barbecuing, been grilling, so, you know, I fill the house with smoke occasionally. I like that. But it sets my smoke alarm off, and Uh, it's a thing. It's annoying. The cat doesn't like that. The dog doesn't care. Take it off, put it under a blanket while you're cooking. Yeah, I guess I could do that. I mean, do you you even have a smoke detector in my house anymore? (laughs) Because my dad, because my dad's a chef, and he's getting mad every time he cooks the smoke detector to go off. And so all of a sudden he's like... Yeah. How are you supposed cook? to black and something with a skillet if you, you know, and no, if you're always setting your smoke. If you're searing it does violate my lease agreement. Taking the smoke detector down. It down. And it's wired in and all oh, that. Oh, wired in. I guess I could tie a price shopper bag around it. There oh, you go. Solo cup inducted. I hope they're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that you're going to do that. Definitely no, I would not. never do that. No. But um, on the weekends, just to talk about food again real quick. Yeah. On the weekends here in the brewery, during the summer, we have... Um, Good Fork and Food Truck is set up Saturday and Sunday while the brewery's open. Oh, that's awesome. Where are they out of? They're from Loon Lake, I believe. Loon Lake or Brant Lake. Okay. I was going to say Just local. a little long. Yeah. <laughs> local. They're re- yeah, they're local. It's only, they're only a few minutes away from the brewery, but they have a pretty good mix of food. They have fish tacos, pulled pork. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, they're yeah. Try, they, they were they doing mussels for a little while. Mussels. They want to get great. some of our... Um, 
Right. Yeah, I think they do their right. own, like, uh, their pulled pork and they stuff. Have, so um, they smoke it yeah. themselves. That's awesome. No, that's that's great. He hasn't cool. been smoking it here, but he has been smoking yeah. it himself. Yeah, I mean, that, you'd, you'd be ridiculous Probably. to do that. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's a great I thing. Not. I didn't know you guys did food at all, but that, that's a great yeah. idea to have that um, have that available to your customers. Yeah, we don't really have the foot traffic during the week. But right. on the weekends, he's set up. Well, he's yeah. up so you're here Saturday. Saturdays. Yeah, Saturday. yeah I was Sunday. getting down on it uh, this Saturday, actually. Like, I didn't have much for lunch, so... Um, but he, was, he had these new things he was trying out. They weren't on the menu yet, but they were uh, they were corned beef and cabbage egg rolls. Nice. It, it was just something I'd never even imagined. Right. Yeah, like, in my head. And it, was, it was pretty... They were good. Yeah, so they're serving a lot of food that's really... Really, um, it fits in with the brewery vibe. Oh yeah, um, sounds like they're doing a good job of it too. That's that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, that pork was, was spot on too. I mean, yeah, they had, they had nice. Was slot. it comp cute? It was. It's comp. It was definitely comp. <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw saw you guys do uh, you guys do pretzels here, which is you know the quintessential right. Yeah, that's quintessential the beer brewery food staple. Absolutely. I mean, those have to be a pretty big hit sitting outside. So you're, for those that obviously haven't been here, um, there's, you guys have this big outside beer garden area. Instead of having something contained, I mean, we're in the Adirondacks. Right. Doing it outside kind of fits the whole vibe of the place. Yeah, it's a happy accent because you're in the winter tasting room right now, and yes. this is it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's actually not a bad size. Um, but it's, you're not talking about you know 50 people. You haven't been here on a Friday night in November. <laughs> does it get Does it get packed? Yeah, that's awesome. You're trying to carry kegs up through to our little bridge we got back there. <laughs> you're trying to convince the dog to go home and he keeps stopping. Yeah, right. Yeah, it gets it gets a little crazy. But you know that's it's great to have an inside. But during the summer, during you know really any time from spring till fall, you want people outside. Yeah, and that's our busy season anyway. So. Yeah. So what kind of support? So local support, pretty strong for you guys. Yep. How, how has the local yeah. community picked up on this in the we last few years? We explode in the summer when all these businesses that are seasonal are open. Yeah. All the people with houses out in and around the lakes, um, they're all coming up. I see the same faces here every week, every year. It's um right the local following the people are coming up in the summer. It's all they're all pretty supportive of us and. Um, it's a good place to hang out too, family and pets and everything. Like sometimes if you're on vacation or maybe whatever is going on, but it's a nice, open, friendly place to hang out for everyone. Yeah, well, I think it's one of the hard things as as we're getting more breweries open in smaller towns in and around the state is you really need the local support. You can't depend on bigger cities coming up all the time. You really need the locals to be involved as well mm-hmm. for them to support. I saw, you know, local restaurants have your beer on tap. At least uh, Sticks and Stones does, right? Mm-hmm. which is nice that they're they're serving your beer on a regular basis. And, you know, that's it's good that the locals are supporting it, too. Not yeah, just definitely. the tourists. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, as we've gotten into a small pack, more and more bottles and cans and stuff like that, our, you know, our, I guess it could call it local, you know, capital region, Albany area stuff has been increasing quite a bit. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of gotten us a little bit more exposure. We're in some of the grocery stores now, which is causing people to seek out our beer at the bars more, which is increasing our draft reach to some more of the uh, points south of the brewery. Nice. Well, that's cool, guys. So why don't you uh, get out some plugs for, for the brewery and talk about when you're open, et cetera, et cetera. How to find you guys on social media, websites. 
Also um, marketing. Get on, get on it. Uh, <laughs> we're pretty uh, active on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, if you follow us on Instagram, you'll get a real intimate look on what goes on a day-to-day basis in the brewery. We're always taking pictures and videos and adding to our Instagram story. Awesome. Um, yeah, we like to have fun here. Big announcements on Facebook. Big all announcements the time. on Facebook, email list, website. If you want to sign up for bottles, because we're starting this thing for all our wild beers and our barrel aged beers, we're trying to get people to sign up for them on our website. Give status updates on the website as well. Um, Was it Paradox Brewery on everything, pretty much? Yeah, paradoxbrewery.com, and you'll be able to see and work your way through the website. Awesome. Weather's going to be getting released real soon here. Keep an eye on all the social media for that stuff. Um, we're probably going to start talking about it as soon as this week, maybe. Yeah. If we can get our act together. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. It's only Tuesday. No, it's only Tuesday. There's tons right, of time. We have time. Yeah, well, tons of time. Next thing you know, it'll be Thursday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, well, J.D., Devin, Tommy, thanks so much for your time. And enjoy being the Adirondacks, guys. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed that episode and I'm going to leave you with something a little bit odd. I took a recording out at their tasting area out near the road and got some road noise. So take a listen, find it kind of relaxing.